Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Fistle Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. to First Strike here on Visa. And I'm your host, Dave Ross. For the next hour, we're going to break down UFC 288. Yep, the king is back. Henry Cejudo going to try to reclaim his Bantamweight belt against Aljermaine Sterling, the current champion in the Bantamweight division. We did see another Bantamweight bout this past weekend. A bit of a surprise for some in the betting market as Song Yudong does get the quote-unquote upset victory. But these are, we believe, the very two best 135-pounders on the planet in Aljo and Henry Cejudo. So to talk more about that and the man that sets those numbers right behind me here that you see at Circus Sportsbook, he is Nick Likas. You can follow him as I do at Fight Odds. Nick, always great to catch up with you. And I am fascinated every time I walk into Circa, and certainly for the last month or so, ever since the numbers have been going up for this fight, when you got a guy like Cejudo coming off a massive layoff, haven't seen him in forever, against the current champion now, Jermaine Sterling, I've noticed that your numbers have fluctuated here. What did you open those numbers at, and where have you seen the money come in in the last weeks and months? Yeah, no doubt. What an interesting fight, man. I'm so glad Cejudo decided to come back, and he had so much room left, you know what I mean, as far Mm -hmm. as his abilities and his championship caliber that he's got. I did open the line a little bit higher than most. It was minus 130, plus 110 at the time for Cejudo, and we got some sharp action immediately that came in and pounced on Sterling. Like you said, man, I mean, there's a lot of question marks surrounding Cejudo right now, and a lot of it is because of the time off. We're just not 100% sure that he's going to be back in form once, you know, like he was a few years back. And he's, he does have a seven-inch reach disadvantage. We don't expect right. this necessarily to be a fight that stays on the feet. I, I, we're, we're expecting both these guys eventually to get down to the mat and see what plays out there. So you mentioned that layoff, 36 to 33 for Aljo here. And I even saw it here at Circuit get up to $1.20 and back down today to $1.15, where we see the current price. Is it almost like once the public feels like they get a good number on Aljo, you're seeing them pounce on it? Yeah, especially I mean, he's been performing amazing, really. Even in the rematch with Jan, I mean, the game plan that he had going into that fight, you got to respect him. I mean, a lot of people were definitely counting him out, and he performed over expectations. So he is definitely 
deserving holding that strap and is one of the best bantamweights in the world for sure. So the public is going to, anytime you see a plus number on somebody of that caliber, it's hard not to kind of pounce that way, right? But again, Cejudo, the way they match up against each other, I think Cejudo is actually the better mixed martial artist. So I think you're going to see a case of a lot of sharps and a lot of early action coming in on Sterling, but a lot of people are going to wait and pounce. The bigger action is going to come in on Cejudo, I think, by fight day. Let's talk a little bit uh, about the total here. And right now you can understand with these guys in a five-round main event, and we know they're their pedigree and once they get down to the ground and certainly Aljo was on the ground and pound in wrestling he has Suhudo you mentioned it here so well respected in the betting market for the different ways he might be able to get you out uh, if it gets down to the ground you can understand why now it's minus an hour 60 here juice to the over four and a half do you see finishing potential here for these guys and and I wonder if these numbers you think are going to change before we get to Saturday night yeah, I was just glancing at the Don Best screen, looking at the market prices that are out there right now. And yeah, I do think that most people are going to like the over in this spot, but I do think there's finishing potential, honestly. I mean, Cejudo, if he's able to stuff the takedowns and not let Sterling backpack him, then I think Sterling in round possibly four and five is going to be exhausted. We know that Cejudo's striking is on point. He's got finishing ability for sure. So I think there's a possible finish for Cejudo late, or if Sterling's able to get on Cejudo's back, I mean, his submission skill is so good that we can see him possibly sink in that rear naked choke and end it as well. So I think it depends on whose fighting style works best in this matchup, but we could definitely see it go under. For me, I would not lay the chalk on the over. I think more people are, are wanting to go that way because they think this is just going to be an all-out war, but I can see a finish for sure going under. I'm so glad you brought that up because I tweeted out after we had Henry on, on our show here on VEASAN a couple weeks ago. You know, everybody's got a plan, as we the old Mike Tyson saying, until you get punched in the face. And then Aljo tweeted back at me, Nick, and said, everybody's got a plan until I backpack them. And I'm like, oh, I, I'm not getting in the middle of this. You guys got to do the fighting here. But that does lead you to possibly, when you look at Aljo and some of the props there, submission is plus 350. KOTK the longer shot there at 8-1. to one. If you want to pick a method of victory for Aljo, do you look at the sub and say that's the best way to go? I mean, I think it's the most realistic way to go for him, but you can't count out his KOTKO. A plus 800, 8 to 1 is definitely intriguing there. He's so long. And you know what? If he goes up the middle with those knees and, and you know, times his punches and strikes well, I mean, Cejudo is the smaller fighter. He's going to be rushing into time. So I could see it kind of ending by knockout, too. So I'm not counting uh, Sterling out. I think a lot of people discredit his striking. It's gotten a lot better than it used to be. So I think he continues to evolve as a fighter. But again, submission should be the narrative that if he's going to win this fight, it's, it's going to be a finish more than likely it's going to be that three to one price tag you want to take yeah at this point. absolutely there are certainly different ways to handicap the market it is fascinating for the guy with the seven inch height or excuse me reach advantage that he's eight to one on that prop and the guy with the shorter arms and henry sudo is plus 350 and the guy going up from 125 to 135 that is wild to me when you look at those numbers i want to get to the co-main event here and it's a chicago fighter here in blah muhammad that's going to go up against the brazilian we just saw gilbert burns in there and kind of retire jorge masvidal looked really good in getting that done here it's a short turnaround now for gil against a guy like Bilal that we know he's gonna want to wrestle so only three rounds to get this work done. Do you look at it here? And I, I'm a little bit surprised that it's, dare I say, only $1.25 for Gil. Do you worry that he hasn't had the full camp? It's a quick turnaround. You just were in there. Maybe it wasn't the most taxing fight here. But which way do you think these numbers might go before we get to Saturday? Well, I mean, it, the public overall and the action, some sharp action as well, is gobbling up 
the Bilal price at the plus money for sure, because the market opened around minus 200-ish, if I'm not mistaken, for Burns, and it's dropped significantly to now what you're seeing is what, about buck 25, buck 30-ish out there. Um, so it's it's not really a big number anymore. It's more of a pick em type of fight. So the plus money did get gobbled up on Bilal, and I think it probably does favor him. I know that Gilbert Burns was just in there, like we said, a month ago, but getting into two camps right away, I mean, back-to-back -back like, like he's doing, immediately going back. In, I, I think he's a professional fighter, meaning that he does everything the Right way, especially as of late, the last few years, I'm really amazed with his progression. I mean, even outside of the cage, the professionalism that he showed. So I think he's going to be ready, but it's still kind of taxing on your body, mentally, physically, like that. And, and again, the other side of it, we know that Bilal's coming in off of Ramadan too, so that's never easy, you know, to, to make the sacrifices mm -hmm. those guys make. So this is definitely a fight, and it is five rounds. That's right. another factor that you got to, you know, put in here because typically speaking, Burns does tend to fade. So I think when people found out it was a five-round fight, the action started coming in more on Bilal because they think it does favor him a little bit more. So it's definitely a head scratcher. I personally feel like Burns is the better fighter in this matchup, but it's going to be a tough matchup. I'm sure. glad you pointed that out because again, I, I stand corrected. Like you look at it and you go, wait, it's a non-title fight, right? Because Leon Edwards is still the champion here at 170 pounds, but they have made this a five round non-title co-main event. Very rare that you see these in the UFC. And there it is again, juiced at, at minus an hour 50. And I think you just nailed it on the head. Because if you've just been in there a month earlier, Bilal's got a very grinding style, not known for his hands. That's why you see plus 450 here is the KO, TKO, or DQ prop, and that he would want to take this into deeper waters. Ironically, you would think Bilal would be the guy that would want to try to make this a longer fight. Is that the, the method of victory that you would see? And that's why maybe two to one for decision would feel like the likelier spot here if you want to back Bilal Muhammad. Yeah, I mean, I think what we've seen in the past from Burns, though, his chin at times has been a little suspect. So I wouldn't necessarily count Bilal out on the feet if this goes 5-2. I think he's going to have his moments, and he cracks pretty hard. Yep. I mean, that Brady fight I don't think is is what you're kind of used to and what you're expecting from Bilal, you know, the finishing ability that had that fight. But that being said, again, Burns hasn't had that chin check before, so it's a little bit of a concern there. But I do think that Burns is going to look for those takedowns. Or, I'm sorry, Bilal is going to look for those takedowns, get top position on Burns. And if he maintains top position, I think he's a good enough fighter and savvy enough on the ground to survive that. Burns, of course, if he gets top position, you're in some serious trouble. Or if he gets your back, you're in some serious trouble. So Bilal wants to definitely wrestle in this spot, take him down. But I think he's going to be okay even if it is, hits the, uh, the feet or stays for a long period of time as well. So yeah. I don't think he's a fish out of water either way. Yeah, that's, that's really going to be a fascinating co-main event there. And, and those numbers, I'm sure, are going to fluctuate here before we get to Saturday. And it is fascinating. Again, a non-title fight here at five rounds potentially here, juice to the over at minus $1.50. Uh, when I, I look at Jessica Andrade, former champion, obviously, obviously against Janan Jan here. And Jan is a big dog here, Nick. Plus $1.70, I'm seeing with Jessica here, uh, almost a $2 betting favorite. What do you make of this one? Could be a very exciting a uh, women's fight here. And again, maybe we got the prospects of some finishing potential whenever you have Jessica Andrade inside the octagon. For sure. And we're getting bet on Andrade. That's why you're seeing the line climb a little bit too. So there is some sharp action and public action coming in that way. And it's not surprising. Andrade has been such a good fighter. I mean, she's one of the best female fighters on the planet. She's been for a long time. But I do think if this fight stays standing, she's going to be in for it. I mean, Jan has been mm -hmm. fighting at a nasty pace and she's got some striking skill and ability to finish fights on the feet as well. So I think if she avoids the takedown here, I think it's going to be a live dog situation. So it's dog or pass for me. I would not lay the chalk where it is right now. 
And it's also fascinating because normally when you look at a lot of women's fights that are only three rounds, that total is going to be a two and a half, and it is. And it is juiced to the over, but not dramatically, to your point, Nick, that this is going to have the possibility here, plus money, of under two and a half. So it feels like both ladies, if it stays standing, it could be a slugfest that we see in the pocket. 100%. 100%. And, and then they also you got to factor in. I mean, it could go under because if Andrade gets on top and she starts raining down some serious punishment, I think she could finish on the ground too. So that's why the total is a little bit not what you're typically seeing in you know a lot of these ladies' bouts. So there is a finishing potential. I think Jan could finish on the feet or Andrade could possibly finish on the feet or maybe on the ground. But Jan, at that price, man, definitely tempting. Uh, very quickly, when you go through this card, Nick, and obviously when you have a pay-per-view card like this, you're going to have some really juicy fights. You look at Drew Dober in there against Matt Frivola. You've got uh, Kron- uh, Gracie is in there, Toys Jordan. Is there another fight right now that you might expect to see a lot of line move before we get to Saturday? Um, I mean, scanning through this, I think that we're going to see some probably more action. Like you, you mentioned, the Fervola Dober fight. I think mm. that's kind of one of the fights of the night for a lot of the fans out there. I mean, we know that Dober hits like a truck. Fervola's <laughs> chin is a little bit suspect, but Fervola can also game plan right. And if he survives, you know, the initial onslaught, I think, from Dober and gets some takedowns, he's got a path to victory as well. So we're seeing two way sharp action on this fight, and it's starting to kind of drop as we go. So I think we're going to see more sharp action come in on the Fervola side. Nick, do great work at ESPN. Great work here. Circus setting those numbers. Really appreciate your information as always, my friend. Enjoy UFC 288. Just getting it started. First strike here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you plenty of ways to bet the UFC. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. You're going to be able to bet more than just the main event. DraftKings has great odds on fight lines, total rounds, and features for all MMA events. There are eligibility restrictions. They do apply. So see DraftKings.com sportsbook for all the terms and conditions. We roll on this edition of First Strike UFC 288. It is always great to have Dan Vreeland join the program. Of course, Dan is the hardest working man in MMA, writer at Gambling Podcast, Cage Side Press, host of Top Turtle MMA and SGPN MMA. Dan, great to have you back in the program, my friend. I like to start off the question each and every week with you. When you have a pay-per-view like this, okay, and you can choose to watch any fight as a fan 
and the best one that you see wagering potential on. Which one intrigues you the most, either just from a fan's perspective and then from a gambling perspective? So I'm going to stick on the the prelims for both of them. Uh, I actually think the most exciting fight to watch on this whole card is Drew Dober versus Matt Favola. Uh, th- those two dudes are just going to go in and swing them, and, and I'm going <laughs> to love watching every second of it. Um, and, and it seems like neither guy, uh, with the exception of the one time that uh, Matt Favola got stung by Terrence McKinney, it seems like neither guy can really get knocked out. So I'm loving watching that. Um, and my favorite fight to bet on here, I love Ikram Aliskarov. Uh, he's fighting Phil Hawes. His number has been right around negative 200 all mm-hmm. week. Uh, it's actually dropped a little bit in some places that I've seen down to like negative 210. Um, I, I can't believe he's betting off at this. This is a guy who's only really lost to Kamzat Chemaev. He, he looked incredible on the contender series. He's got a great gas tank, great wrestling. Uh, I, I think he's going to manhandle Phil Haas in there. And I, I think getting it at that price is insane. So that could be a good parlay builder here if you don't want to lay the 210 we're seeing today, but really good uh, astute information there. And again, that's where a number doesn't even feel that too big for you uh, right now. I want to get back to the Dober fight against Matt, the steamroller for Vola here. And you mentioned normally these guys, they're going to throw for the fences. And in a potential three-round fight, the total here, Dan, is just set at one and a half. And it's... It's not out of whack here. Minus dollar thirty-five for the over round and a half. If you want to bet the under, you do get small plus money at plus a dollar five. Are you leaning towards the over, thinking that the chins can hold up for, let's say, seven and a half minutes at least? I am. And not only am I leaning that way on the over for that reason, but also because I think that both of these guys would probably do themselves a really good service to wrestle a little bit. <laughs> you know, I know Matt Frivola has really, he's gotten away from that in his last few fights. And, and once you feel that power in his hands, you get why he's gone away from it, but he is actually a phenomenal wrestler. He's a great grappler. And I think just doing that to Drew Dober would do enough to open up his striking. And we even saw Drew Dober do that a little bit in the Bobby Green fight. He worked his wrestling. He worked his cage clinch up against the um, wall. So I, I think if either of them work a little bit of clinching, work a little bit of grappling in there, I think you're going to see the one and a half go over pretty easily. And I think you know, even if one of them gets stung and is wobbly a little bit, you're going to see him clinch up and try to work some of that wrestling to, to save themselves some time. So, uh, yeah, I, I like the over in this one quite a bit. Can we get crazy and not pick a winner and just say that it hits the judges cards and get plus 250? Can it really go all 15? I, I don't know if it could go all 15. I think these guys hit too hard for me to really comfortably take the over. But I will say if you if you want to pick a side here. I think you have to bet the Matt Frivola side. Mm. Uh, and I'm not saying that, like, you know, Drew Dober can't win this fight or Drew Dober, you know, shouldn't win this fight. But but we were just talking about Ikram Aliskarov at negative 210, right, or right around that number. Drew Dober's over that number. Uh, and, and we're talking about this being a slugfest and a fight that is, you know, razor close in terms of margin. I, I don't know how you don't wind up on the, the Matt Frivola side at o- almost plus $2 in, in not pick him mm. uh, because like if you're going to bet a side on this one, it, it's got to be Matt Favola. There's, there's too much value there. It does have fight of the night written all over it. So that could be one of the most intriguing fights of the night, but you like it to go a little bit longer than most people might think. Whenever you see a Gracie on the card, my eyes light up and I see Kron right now is uh plus dollar 55 here against Charles Jordan. What do you make of that matchup here? And again, you don't think of Gracie's in hands. You think of it, wow, this thing gets down to the mat, and that's where things can get a little bit crazy. What do you make of this matchup here as a dog? Well, so this is so interesting to me because he's been away for three and a half years, mm-hmm. right? And when we saw Cron Gracie, the first thing he did was he got Alex Caceres right to the mat, submitted him in almost no time. He followed that up by fighting Cub Swanson and had that fight where 
he couldn't get into the mat. And man, did he look like a fish out of water. So you got him here now against Charles Jordan, somebody who, you know, again, loves to strike, but has actually had a little bit of trouble with the takedown defense. If you want to go back to his fight with Shane Burgos, Shane Burgos, not a guy I think of as being a wrestler. No, Shane Burgos got him down a couple of times, not only got him down, but a couple of times, Charles Jordan overextended himself and Shane Burgos actually worked right to the back. Um, and that, to me, is a, a really ugly sign when you're going to fight somebody like Cron Gracie. And in addition to that, three and a half years away might be alarming for some people, but Cron Gracie knew that he had a hole in his game, right? It was his wrestling side of his game. He knew he had the jiu-jitsu takedowns. He knows he's got the jiu-jitsu game. He's got the top control. He's got all that kind of stuff. He needed to work a little bit on his hands at his wrestling. And there's no way to know what he did in that three and a half years. But I have to think he came away with you know, at least some double leg, at least some sort of single leg, you know, run the pipe situation. I think he's going to come back a lot better version of himself. And really all he needs is one takedown here against Charles uh, Jordan. And, and I think at this price, it's worth testing that out. Uh, I went to look at props to see if, if Crown Gracie by submission looked any nicer. It doesn't look much nicer. <laughs> it's basically his win, his win number. Um, but you could probably get like an extra, you know, plus 50 on that. Yeah. You might get, you know, which isn't a lot, but like, if look, if he's going to win, that's probably how he's going to win. Yeah, so, they're, they're, uh, yeah. They're not giving us free candy on that one, Dan. I was thinking exactly the way you were, right? If it's going to be crown, it's going to be by submission two to one. So you're right. You might get a little bit better value, but the, the books, are, they certainly know what his ground game looks like if this fight hits the ground. I, I'm so intrigued by so many of these fights, Dan, because you know this. This feels like a real... Uh, you know, if you're a fan of, of the UFC and certainly MMA, there's so many deep fights on the undercard here. I look at Marina Rodriguez against Verna Janaroba here, and Rodriguez, small favorite at my, minus forty. What do you make of that matchup? Because that one, to me, is sneaky intriguing. Yeah, it is sneaky intriguing, and it seems like you just dotted every single one on this card that I like the underdog on, because I actually don't like a lot of underdogs on this card, but Verna Janaroba is actually one of the underdogs I like on this one. Uh, when you look at Marina Rodriguez, she has done some really great things on the feet, right? Mm -hmm. Like I love her boxing. The fact that she, she has worked. I mean, look, look back at the McKenzie Dern fight. She looked great on the feet in that yeah. fight. But, but since then we have actually seen some real issues with her grappling. Uh, you, you look at the fight with Yan Xiaonan, who's actually going to be on the main card here. Yan Xiaonan, kind of a boxer with shorter range. And still she found her way in and into some takedowns there. And, and that really alarms me against somebody like Vera Jadaroba, who isn't going to be as good with the hands. But man, is she a tough out when she's on top of you? And we've seen it time and time again with Janderoba. She, once she gets you down and once she's on top of you, she's got sneaky good submissions and she's run through a couple of people that way. I think as long as she gets Marina Rodriguez up against the cage a couple of times, I think she's going to get those takedowns. And I would not be surprised to see her either snatch a submission here or uh, steal one on the judges' scorecards just based on the control alone. Yeah, it's amazing that when Rodriguez fought um, Mackenzie Dern, that was the main event, right? They, they were the headliners. This is how good this card is that you see her here in the prelims. Very quickly on those prelims here, when you look at uh, Kennedy and Chukwu at a $2 betting favorite, Chaos Williams is a $3 betting favorite. Do you like both of those favorites there, or do you think there's any live dog scenarios in their matchups? I think, you know, De Devin Clark is probably a little bit closer to being a live dog against Kennedy and Zuchuku. Um, I, I think he's probably, I'm still going with Kennedy in that one, mostly just because if you've seen his development, 
uh, in his last couple of fights down at Fortis MMA, a place that that definitely is has worked the wrestling game of a lot of people. He, he's actually shown up with a little bit better wrestling in the last couple of fights. The, the fight with Carl Roberson sticks out. He was really able to offensively wrestle in that fight. And against Kudalaba, he did enough defensive wrestling to get the job done there, too. So against somebody like Devin Clark, I think his striking's better. His range is better. Um, and as long as his wrestling holds up, he should win pretty easily here. Um, again, I, I think Devin Clark's a little bit more live than Rolando Bedoya is because Bedoya, for me, you know, he's one of those newcomers that they signed. And, and I got burnt by one last weekend, so I, I won't say too much about those newcomers <laughs> that they signed. But he's one of those guys who he, he's looked really good when he's knocking people out. But when he's not knocking people out, he looks pretty darn bad. And, and with Chaos Williams, I think if you're going to stand in front of that guy for a while, mm. you're, you're not going to last very long. Because Chaos Williams hits really hard, too. And I think he's just a little bit more nuanced than the feet. And also, you know, we've been talking about wrestling. Chaos Williams, sneaky good wrestling, too. He's worked at a couple of takedowns in his last couple of fights and really made it a little bit more of a complete fighter. So I, I think he could definitely take down Bedoya there, too, even if he's not getting what he wants on the feet. Dan, we only have a minute to go. Main event time. The numbers been moving a little bit here in the last couple of weeks. What do you make of the Kings return? Henry Cejudo, three years away off to try to take the strap now from Aljo. Look, I, I'm done doubting Aljamain Sterling. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I, I've done it more than once uh, in that fight with uh, Piotr Jan, especially the second one made it so that I'll probably never doubt him again because, look, it, he looked phenomenal on the feet. The development in his game on the feet under Ray Longo is clearly a big part of his game. And, and I just don't know that somebody is going to step in to the cage off of the layoff that Henry Cejudo has been on and take it to him. So I, I'm going to go with the champ here. I think this is a razor close fight. Super exciting. And also, I just think We'll know enough about Cejudo probably five minutes in to know how this one's going to end. Yeah, absolutely, Dan. Look, I've been on the right side of a couple of those Cejudo matchups with Jan and the wrong side against Sanhagen. So I'm right there with you. I've doubted him uh, at my own peril as well. Great stuff as always. Give him a follow on Twitter at Gumby Vreeland, one of the best in the biz. Still got much more to get to. Don't go anywhere. First Strike returns right here on the the Sports Betting Network. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
We have sprung into May, so you can bet on baseball this season with 24-7 streaming daily best bet emails, including advice, data, and strategy for just $9.99. We're getting ready for the golf's second major of the year. You know that means that our guys like Wes Reynolds and Matt Newmans and Matt Brown, they're going to have every player in the field all discussed. Plus, we got the Kentucky Derby. So sign up today to get full access to VEASAN for all you need to be covered for just $9.99 at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Back here on First Strike, and I always love catching up with our next guest, Reed Kuhn. You can follow him as I do at Fightnomics. He is the author of a book of the same name. And Reed, inside school here, you put out a tweet yesterday kind of breaking down the main event, and it just got me so excited to talk to you today, as I do each and every week, because I'm like, I'm so confused by this main event. When you got a guy like Henry Cejudo coming off a three-year layoff against the current champ and Al Jermaine Sterling, Aljo tweeted at me a couple weeks ago about I'm going to backpack in. I'm like, man, that's my name's Paul. That's between y'all. What are the numbers showing you when you got a guy like Cejudo now at 135 off the layoff against the current king of the division? Yeah, there's some good give and take here. And again, we have a situation where I've backed both guys. And so it hurts a little bit to be forced <laughs> to pick against one of them. Uh, but the numbers back up what Aljamain Sterling actually said. He spends a disproportionate amount of time on the mat backpacking people. And that is a number I actually look at. I don't normally put it out you know, in the data, but uh, it is something that sticks out. And that's very different from Suhudo. Suhudo is a top control guy. He, he works from usually full guard, uh, puts people down, and then works from there, ground and pound. But Sterling is much more about transitions, scrambles, and submit, and you know, just the control time that he gets, you know, going around and uh, making everything difficult to deal with. And that's just one of those guys. Cejudo is just more of a traditional wrestler. So that's what we're going to get. And, and when you look at the stand-up, there's a similar stylistic contrast. While they might look similar in terms of accuracy or you know pace, very big size discrepancy. Yes. You know, Suhudo made his name a flyweight and now he's fighting a rangier bantamweight and just stylistically very different. Sterling is very much a, a high volume, long range guy. Suhudo is more of a counter striker and he's trying to lull you in and get that inside boxing. And so th- that's what makes this confusing. I, you know, you're not alone. This is a <laughs> tough one. The market still can't figure it out. You know, cl- clearly Sterling, Sterling opens as a favorite and then it just tanks from there. And now we've got to pick them. Maybe even Cejudo's going to close as the favorite. Uh, so throw all that out the window. You've also got a layoff to deal with. And Cejudo now being on the wrong side of 35, the numbers still like Sterling. You know, and, and I think that he has been undervalued multiple times in the past. He's come through for me. I am going to take a small stab on him. Uh, I love it if I'm getting even money or plus money, but it's going to be a tricky matchup to watch. It really is. And Reed, I'm glad I'm not the only one confused. And I look at the total here, and obviously you can understand here, we're in a bantamweight weight class, lighter weight class, 135. So we understand why a four and a half, it is juiced right now, minus $1.60. Are you seeing finishing potential? And what really is just almost counterintuitive to me is, Cejudo is actually the shorter number on the KOTK or DQ prop at plus 350. Aljo's got a seven-inch reach advantage. And yeah, we think of him as a backpacker and somebody that's going to wrestle first. But to me, if he gets you down and hurts you, he could finish you on the ground with ground and pound. Is there finishing potential that the numbers are showing? There is, but I agree with the way those lines are coming out because Cejudo is the bigger knockout threat. He has five knockdowns. Uh, Sterling has... Zero. And Sterling has been dropped four times. If anybody's going to get dropped on their feet, it's probably Sterling. Mm. And so that does support Cejudo as a, as a long shot for a knockout. 
But Sterling has been in there against dangerous strikers. He's survived. He knows how to stay out of trouble. You know, aside from one fluky flying knee that he took, he has survived a lot of those situations where he's been in trouble. And so that's what does give me a little bit more faith in leveraging that reach advantage. On the ground, the finishing potential does go to Sterling. He's going to be the one who's flipping around in positions and putting Suhudo in diff- tr- tricky spots, like maybe setting up a submission. But generally speaking, this definitely takes a while to develop, at least two, three rounds. And you know that I sometimes take a more conservative approach on the totals because mm-hmm. you never know what's going to happen in round four or five. Someone's cut, someone's gassed, um, a finish could happen. But I like to be more conservative. I don't see it ending in the first two or three. Uh, so I might go like a three and a half over. All right, yeah, and right now, by the way, for Aljo prop on the sub, it's plus 350 if you think it might take that that time, but I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down there. It might be one that goes uh, longer into the night. When I look at the co-main again, I'm fascinated. Gilbert Burns, to me, is one of those best 170-pounders, and we understand, you know, he's kind of been left out of the conversation a little bit. Bilal Muhammad's a guy that feels like he's always left out of the title consideration. It does feel like a title eliminator here to maybe get a shot at Leon Edwards at this weight. We just saw Gil in there. He retired, uh, you know, Jorge Masvidal, what, about a month ago down there in Miami. Small favorite, quick turnaround here, minus dollar twenty-five. And oddly, this is potentially a five-round matchup in a non-title bout. I know you have a lot of data on this, guys. What are the numbers showing you? Well, they show that Burns is the more dangerous guy. Uh, Now, Muhammad has gotten by because he is another guy who can backpack people. He can wrestle and he can jab. But when it comes to finishing potential, it's definitely Burns. Burns has the heavier hands. Muhammad has been dropped six times, zero knockdowns to his credit. Uh, Burns has also been dropped a lot of times, seven, in fact, but he has more knockdowns scored. So in terms of power, definitely go with Burns here. And on the ground, similar story. Burns is much more about the dangerous submissions. Muhammad is much more about position control. So we do have a total stylistic mismatch here. It's similar to the main event in that respect. Uh, But I got to respect Burns' level of competition a little more so than Muhammad. Now, I understand the win streak, but you you look at someone like Tony Ferguson, for example, who put together an amazing win streak, but it was always those middle-of-the-pack guys where Burns has been going out, taking title shots, fighting the elite. I do respect his strength of schedule just a little bit more. And although the the line should be close, this is not a huge lean or anything, uh, especially just coming off another fight. I do worry a little bit about Burns' gas tank, uh, but I do lean Burns this way. Um, I think he might even test the chin of Muhammad. Uh, hopefully it doesn't turn into him gassing in the rounds like four or five. And, and that leads me to the total here, Reed, and exactly uh, astute observation there. If Gilbert Burns, because he just fought, hasn't had a full camp, you think he might get into a faster pace early on. Is there finishing potential right now? The under is plus money for four and a half rounds. I do think there is four burns. And this is one where you pick the scenario. If your scenario is that burns is going to win and you're going to give me nearly two to one value on a finish. I like that play. If it's the other scenario, if it's Muhammad playing his game, top control jab game, then it definitely goes to a decision. I don't see uh, Muhammad getting a, a, a finish here. So um, you're going to pick a side and you're going to pick the outcome and you're going to pair them together depending on which way you're going. I'm going Burns. I would probably go under as well. All right. Uh, correlated play possibly there for Gilbert Burns. Let's get to some other fights that I know your data has already given you some uh, some good leans here on a Tuesday. Marina Rodriguez is back in there against uh, Verna uh, Jandaroba here. Uh, when you look at Rodriguez, now small favorite, not a huge favorite here. Do you think this is a live dog scenario with Jandaroba? 
I do, and noticeably her price dropped. So Jandaroba was a much bigger favorite when she, or a bigger underdog, sorry, when she opened, mm -hmm. and her price came down a lot. And I was a little surprised by that. I think Rodriguez is probably the bigger name, to be honest. I know I've backed her in the past. Uh, but in this case, once I lined up the performance metrics, I saw advantages across the board for Jandaroba, not just on the ground, which is glaringly obvious, but also a little bit on the feet. She's a little more crisp with her hands. And so I hope that she takes it down. I hope she changes levels because Rodriguez has been very hesitant to go to the ground and has not performed well there. So I think that in a three-round fight, that's going to favor us. Uh, I'm going to go with the grappler underdog in this case. Now, still plus money right now, plus $1.20. Um, Verna, let's get to Kennedy and Chuck Wu against Devin Clark here. Uh, obviously, and Chuck Wu's a guy with big frame. Devin Clark is going to be uh, the, the shorter guy in there against Kennedy. What are you making this? Too big a price tag at, at minus $1.90? No, I don't think so. I think you know, the theme tonight is that styles make fights. Mm -hmm. And the style here is that Devin Clark is going to be reaching and running uphill for those takedowns. And if he doesn't get them, he's going to have his, his chin get tested, I think, frequently. Um, and so those takedowns, although frequent, his success rate is actually not very good. And the defense of Nchukwu is very good. And so if he stuffs those early takedowns, by the way, add in an eight-inch eight, eight inch reach differential. <laughs> right. Uh, not to mention the height difference. Like he is going to look like he's in a different weight class facing a smaller Devin Clark, who's chasing him around the cage, hoping for a takedown. And I think that's just a bad storyline at light heavyweight. That might be okay at bantamweight or featherweight where eventually you get the guy down, but at light heavyweight, you're going to take some damage on the way in. And I don't, that might be too much for Clark. Got about a minute to go. I did want to ask you what potentially could be fight of the night and drew Dover against Matt Frivola here. Uh, we don't expect this one to hit the cards, but what are the numbers showing you Dover right now? Oh, about a $2 betting favorite here. Yeah, this one's interesting. I'm not sure where the price is going to land or where my bet's going to land. <laughs> um, I think it arguably could be a little closer than the prices say, you know, more, a little bit more value on Frivola. Uh, but first of all, to your point, 13 knockdowns scored between these two lightweights. Wow. Um, now Frivola is more damaged. He's taken more knockdowns, but he also hits harder on a per strike basis and so tons of heavy hands here uh, but also two competent guys they do like to mix in wrestling i think frivola has a slight advantage there so that's why i'm seeing potential value on the dog uh and again follow reed coon at fightnomics and see what the menu is going to look like for ufc 288 reed i can't wait i know it's going to be good enjoy the fights my friend all right we're going to come back go to chicago next jordan sherwood and up next year on first strike Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to 
stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We are back. First strike here on Visa and Dave Ross here in Las Vegas at Circus Sportsbook. Always great to go back to the second city. Catch up with our guy, Jordan Sherwood. You can follow him on Twitter as I do at Wood on ESPN 1000. And if you just follow Jordan as I do on Twitter, you'll see that it says MMA aficionado. That's such, such a great word, Jordan, to describe you. Uh, an advisor for Fat Jack Sports and, of course, the host of the unnamed MMA pod. And on said unnamed MMA pod... You add on one of the uh, co-headliners, if you will, in the co-main event here in Bilal Muhammad, Chicago Zone, taking on Gilbert Burns. And you guys talked about a lot of things. After the conversation, do you feel better about Bilal's chances as a dog against Gil, or do you feel worse? I feel a lot better. And I feel a lot better because, you know, this is a guy that's, first off, obviously he's surging. You know, four wins in a row after the accidental eye poke, no contest against Leon Edwards, and the way that he's winning fights, you know, the fact that he did go, yes, against an older Damian Maya, but, you know, kept the fight standing, you know, wasn't threatened by any groundwork. Then he outstruck Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Anytime you do that, that's impressive. And then obviously I think it, uh, an exclamation point with the finish over the previously unbeaten Sean Brady the last time we saw Bilal. But the fact is that mentally and physically he's been preparing himself for a five-round fight for a headlining fight, for potentially a championship fight. And yes, he doesn't get it per se in taking a fight now against Gilbert Burns, and it was put together rather quickly, but nobody else was was accepting fights. And he talked about that. He wanted to fight Kobe Covington, wasn't offered to him. He wanted to fight Kamaru Usman, wasn't offered to him. He wanted to fight Leon Edwards, wasn't offered to him. So he's making the best of, in my opinion, a difficult situation. And because he's been preparing Training-wise, for a five-round fight, Gilbert's taking this kind of, you know, rather quickly on short mm-hmm. notice. Uh, and the fact, too, that Bilal Muhammad's never been submitted. And the fact, too, that, yes, his, he has evolved as a striker, as has Gilbert Burns, and Burns has got some power. Um, I like his chances as the underdog here, Henry, uh, tomorrow night, or on to Saturday night. And, Jordan, that's the thing, too, is that normally in a co-main event like this, that a short-notice fight just thrown together, you normally don't see it be... Uh, for a non-title bout here, five rounds, right? That's got to be to Bilal's advantage, right? And again, you look at it, it is juiced here, four and a half rounds. Is the pathway to victory for Bilal that he extends this for a guy that just fought a month ago, extend him into the deep waters and get into the gas tank of Gill, which can be problematic at times. Is that the method of victory here? And you can get really juicy two to one if you like Bilal by decision. Well, is it, I mean, isn't that the most likely scenario? Yes, I mean, Bilal is coming off of that TKO finish of Brady, but prior to that, I mean, he, he's he's a three-round dominant decision, you know, pathway. I mean, 16 of his 22 mixed martial arts wins have come on the judges' scorecards, and, and the way he does it is he outboxes you, and then when it becomes frustrating, he has a variety of different ways to be able to take you down. He's not just a straight double leg or a single leg. He does... Tremendous amounts of chain wrestling. He does tremendous amounts of, of those, you know, different types of things to get the fight to the ground. And it comes a variety of ways. And also, I think Gilbert Burns 
is going to be accepting uh, of those takedowns because he's so well-versed and so comfortable off of his back. But I think the time on the back, the grinding nature that Bilal Muhammad, and now you're right, the cardio has been in question before with Gilbert Burns. It's never with Bilal. Uh, I, I like what Bilal has in store, especially now at the underdog price here on a Tuesday. Uh, you know, if that's a c- conflicting fight, when you look at the main event here with Aljo against uh, King Henry in his return, it, it is kind of baffling to see the way that the market opened and where it's gone now, right? It opens up as Aljo is a favorite. It swings all the way to Cejudo. And right now, as we speak on a Tuesday, he still is uh, minus dollar fifteen. Here is the betting favorite against Aljo minus dollar five. What do you make of the main event? And is this one that you think does eventually hit the cards? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I mean, what is Henry Cejudo going to look like three years after you know he decided to kind of unceremoniously retire? Mm-hmm. I mean, credit where credits due. The guy has an impressive career. His bounce back after. Demetrius Johnson knocked him off to claim the flyweight championship and then, you know, go up and win the Bantamweight title and do it against, you know, impressive guys with the wins over Dillashaw flyweight. And then obviously Marlon Marais and, and Dominic Cruz, not the same Dominic Cruz, but certainly an impressive victory over Dominic Cruz. Um, but he's been out of the game for three years. And, you know, Aljamain Sterling is such an interesting cat because look, he was decisively losing that fight to Peter Yan before the illegal DQ. Then he comes back, looks brilliant against Jan, but but how good is Jan? Because Jan, since that fight, you know, look, the, 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 the Sanhagen fight, uh, the Sean O'Malley fight, most recently what we've seen, you know, and then and then Sterling's most recent performance, don't want to poo-poo it, but like, DJ Dillashaw was injured. And he was, and he was and the shoulder was, it, it came out well-documented. So uh, here's what I'll say. I think the athleticism from Sterling should not be ignored. He's a very difficult guy to prepare for. He's long, he's lengthy, he's awkward. And I love his camp. Ray yeah. Longo, Matt Serra, get guys ready. And I love the fact, too, that he's, you know, he's, he isn't Matt Frivola, I think, also is out of that camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, so training alongside, he's earlier on in the card, I think. Uh, but who's the benefit to Eljamin Sterling? If I'm picking somebody today, it's Sterling because he's the dog. But quite frankly, I could change my mind. It's such a, a, an interesting matchup come fight night. Uh, and, and side with Cejudo because it's hard to pick against him. Yeah, these numbers keep going back and forth a little bit, and it's come back a little bit. Henry, I saw as high as a minus dollar 20 back to minus dollar 15, sneaky little moves. But you see you're getting a lot of two-way action here because the betting market, I think, is conflicted by this main event for a lot of the points you just laid out. Again, in your bio, it says MMA aficionado. I've gone almost a full hour, and we have not dis- discussed Braxton Smith against Parker Porter, but you have. You you like this fight. You see an angle on this fight. Tell me what intrigues you about this fight. Yeah, I mean, look, you got Braxton Smith, the guy that made his mixed martial arts debut back in 2014, then took eight years off, <laughs> came back, and has won five fights in a row, look, against kind of like tomato cans. But he's done it. You know, all those victories haven't lasted you know, more than two minutes. He's got a strong overhand right. He's a big, enormous dude, and he hits with a ton of power. Power. The thing is, is that I think Parker Porter's seen that. He's seen that before. And granted, like, you know, he's been stopped, you know, in the first round a couple of times against Jelton Omeda and Justin Toffa. He's three and three in the UFC. This is low-level heavyweights at their best. But I think Parker Porter has seen a guy like this before. And if he just avoids those first couple of minutes, it's Parker Porter's fight to lose. I think takedowns are going to happen. I think he's going to grind this fight out, make it dirty, make it like a Martin Boudet fight. We just saw yeah. him win, uh, you know, kind of in a, in a non-impressive fashion against uh, uh, Jake Collier last week. 
So I like Parker Porter. He's uh, an underdog right now. I think people are chiming in on Smith being a, you know, a first round finisher, Porter suspect chin, but I think Porter smart enough to avoid the overhand, right? I like the over in the fight and I like Porter just to grind out, get a win, maybe in the third round via submission or go to the judges scorecards and win two rounds to one. So glad you brought up that fight last week. It was not aesthetically pleasing to the eye, but it was for the wallet because I know we were on the right side of that one. And again, you like the plus money here, plus a dollar 40 for the over uh, right now, because again, one and a half is all you have to get with these big, big boys out there. Uh, certainly the, the experts believe, or at least the marketplace says that maybe the unders in play, but I, I'm picking up what Jordan's putting down to that plus money to get over seven and a half minutes. I did want to get to maybe arguably for non-title bouts or five round fights. The, the one most highly anticipated is Drew Dober against the steamroller, Matt Frivola here. What do you make of this matchup? And is there any way this one hits the cards? I mean, it, you know, obviously, it certainly could. We've seen that, you know, a couple of times in Drew Dober's career and Matt Favola's career. But I just think Matt Favola has changed up his game plan where it's kind of a kill or be killed mentality. He's going out there to try and either finish people or, you know, look, he got caught by seven seconds in the Terrence McKinney <laughs> fight. But, uh, but after that, look, he hasn't been intimidated to go back into the pocket. The issue with that is against Drew Dober. The guy's got dynamite for in both hands, and he's a guy uh, that can go out there and get the finish rather quickly. Speaking of McKinney, that, that one-round fight was amazing. The fact that Drew Dober came back twice in that fight to get the knockout. So I, I think you know both guys match up very well from a wrestling standpoint. I think maybe Dober a little bit more powerful, Rivola a little bit more you know grit and grind. Uh, but again, too, I like the fact that he's training alongside Algermain Sterling under the tutelage of Ray Longo and Matt Serra. Uh, so I think it'll be a fun fight. But I do believe, as you just said, Dave, both guys are finishers. The styles make fights. One guy's landing, running into the other guy's fist at some point and is getting knocked out. Uh, very quickly, only about a minute to go. Are you as fascinated by seeing Kron Gracie, speaking of layoffs like Henry Cejudo, back inside the octagon whenever you have a Gracie in there? It's MMA royalty here. He is a dog against Charles Jordan. Can he evolve his game to where he can be proficient with the hands? Or is this, hey, when you get a Gracie, we go down to the mat, and that's the way I want to win this fight? Well, but he didn't do that the last time we saw him several years ago against Cub Swanson. And, he, like, he got, like, he got, like, yelled at by his, like, grandfather. <laughs> like, and so, Cron Gracie is, is taking this fight to the ground immediately against Charles Air Jordan. He does not want to be on the feet whatsoever. So, uh, Gracie, maybe to, to, to revert back to what he knows, what he knows best might be worth looking on. You sometimes sure. just stick to what you know, right? That's what you know, Cron. Uh, Jordan, appreciate it as always, my friend. Enjoy the great second city of Chicago and UFC 288. That's going to put a bow in this edition. want to thank Rob Moreno and certainly Britton Hess for doing a great job putting this show together. Enjoy the fights. We'll see you next week right here on Visa. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. 
because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.